welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. And welcome to the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I sincerely hope that 2021 has got off to a positive start for you. I want to thank all those listeners who've taken the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts since we started. Ratings and reviews are a really important component of having a podcast. So if you haven't already done so, if you go to Apple Podcasts, scroll to the bottom of the page, select ratings and reviews, and write a review. It only takes a minute, and we would be very appreciative. So on with today's show. The life of an entrepreneur is a journey and it's full of ups and downs and being flexible and able to adapt and pivot is an essential skill as you navigate your way through the world of business startups. My guests on today's podcast are a husband and wife team, Jen and Matt Martinelli. And this is a revisit as they were on episode nine in June, 2019. But I wanted to get back in touch and to look at where their business journey has taken them over the last 18 months. In today's podcast, we'll discuss how their business, which is primarily a recruitment website, has evolved, the lessons that they've learned along the way, how technology plays a more important role than ever in recruitment, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Jen and Matt Martinelli. Hi, Anthony. So excited to be back with you again today. Yeah, we're honored. I know this is the first time you're kind of having a second, a repeat guest. So we're super honored and we're excited to share all the things that have changed over the last, I think, 18 months. So we're really, really grateful for your time today. Thank you. No, it's great to have you all. I mean, uh, that's the thing about tech, isn't it? I mean, we last spoke in 2019, June 2019. You were actually... Uh, episode number nine on the podcast, and uh, at that time, you were just starting up with your, you know, new salon industry-specific recruitment website called CanvasRecruit.com. And like everything in the tech space, you've always got to be evolving. So um, I know that eighteen months can be a long time in your industry. So, so give us an update on what's been happening with CanvasRecruit.com uh, in the last eighteen months. And and it's okay if you fill in a little bit of a backstory about what the app is and what it does, because I'm sure there'll be some people that didn't hear episode nine. But if you want to get the full detail on it, then I encourage the audience to. To go back to uh, June 2019, episode number nine on the podcast, and uh, you'll you'll get the you know all the rest of the background story. So, uh, so over to you. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, where do I begin? Right, there's been so many changes, good things, and and positive updates. But um, I think the first biggest thing to note is we've actually rebranded from Canvas Recruit to Canvas Me. Right, okay. so we did that okay. in about we did that in July, I believe, July yeah, of July. this year. Um, so when we first spoke last year in 2019, we had just kicked off the website. It was really more of an MVP product. As, Je- as much as Jen and I know in the beauty industry coming from Millennium Software and really understanding what it takes to grow a business and what the issues were when it comes to the salon industry, barbershop industry, when it comes to recruitment and retention, when it comes to their staff, we wanted to make sure that we were hitting the mark. Right? When it comes to technology in the beauty industry, there's so much that's evolving. There's so much that changes. And there's certain things that our industry can handle and can't handle. 
So when we launched our MVP, when we first spoke in 2019, um, a lot has changed. And one of the biggest things that we realized that it was so much more than recruitment, right? So when New Canvas recruit, we really wanted to hit it home, right? That it was a recruitment platform. But we quickly realized that we were telling our members these artists' stories, their dreams, their purpose, and why. And it became really, really intimate. And we fell in love with that. We were really honored to be able to share these stories because we knew that in order for them to find the right home, to find the right cultural fit at their next salon or barbershop, they need to be really real on their portfolios, talk about their goals, their values, and their dreams, right? So we quickly realized that and we went from Canvas Recruit to Canvas Me because it's all about the artists, it's celebrating everything they've went through for this industry, all their education, all their hard work, all of their achievements, right? And then making it a really professional platform, elevating the industry, but most importantly, showcasing who they are as an artist, but more as a human. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Uh, I just want to cl- clear that up. So, so is the website now called canvasme.com? Correct. Right. Canvas okay. So I'll, I'll make sure I put that in the, uh, in the show notes. And you said MVP. I'm assuming that's an acronym for something. What, what does that mean? Yeah. So it's minimal viable product. So right, it, okay. it's, a, it's a term that's really used in the tech industry, right? Like for us, we wanted to make what, what you want to do is you want to spend the least amount of money possible and validate your idea. Yeah. Right. Cool. So a lot of technology companies will put out MVPs into the market and to make sure that it's a real need and people are actually going to use it before you invest heavy money into technology. Great. Got it. Okay. All right. Sorry, Jen, you were going to say something. Yeah, no. So I just wanted to clarify for the listeners that maybe don't understand fully what Canvas Me, right? Formerly Canvas Recruit is. It's a really a place where hairstylists, beauty professionals can come to the, to this site right now, CanvasMe.com. Um, and they can get started by answering some questions, talking about their school, you know, their school history, their employment history, their awards, recognitions. They can upload images, upload video, hit publish. Once they hit publish, they now have this beautiful representation of their work and they can use it just like their own mini website. So it becomes Canvas Me portfolios are essentially your portfolio as an artist, right? As a creative meets your online resume. And once you hit publish, it's a website. And so you can share that website with the world. And what Matt was referencing is initially we wanted to address the recruitment issue that was such a huge need in the beauty space. And so we were almost thinking from a branding perspective, like the Uber taxi, right? When Uber came out, they were initially Uber taxi so that the whole market understood that they were in the taxi service. Well, we did a similar thing where we said, Canvas recruit, right? We're solving the recruitment issue. But once we went out into the market and into the world, we started to recognize this wasn't just about recruitment. It's about sharing stories, sharing dreams. Um, these are people's, you know, whole life stories and everything they've accomplished to this point. And so once they hit publish, not only can they leverage the portfolio to land that full-time opportunity, but they can leverage the portfolio to be celebrated or they can leverage the portfolio to you know, land a side hustle gig. Maybe it's behind the scenes or backstage or an education opportunity. Um, and so these are purpose portfolios with these individuals. And so that's where the rebranding came into play. And then also we realized over this journey that just as we humanize the artist, it's just as important to humanize the business owner as well. So now a lot of these new updates that we've seen over the last 18 months really incorporate a way for the business owner to humanize and talk about their purpose. So they're attracting the right talent to whether it's their barbershop, spa, 
or salon, right? So again, we humanize them with their business portfolios. We give them places to upload videos and talk about their staff and their benefits and their awards because we know that they're going to make better matches when the artist can vet them just as much as they're vetting the artist. Okay, so I'm I'm sitting there thinking about what you're doing and Instagram. And I know when we originally spoke like 18 months ago, the reference that you made several times was you said, think of it as like LinkedIn for hairdressers. And so that, that, that analogy made total sense to me. Okay. LinkedIn, just for hairdressers, uh, because LinkedIn isn't really for hairdressers. It's very much for sort of corporate, you know? Um, and, and so you've sort of come away from that, but what you're describing now, and I might have this completely wrong. Is that a bit more like Instagram, but it's just for hairdressers? No, it's bigger so, than it does sync to Instagram. So we actually have an API written into Instagram. So it syncs your last eight photos automatically. So you don't have to worry about yeah. double uploading. But if I were to describe it, if I were to, I would say it's LinkedIn meets match.com because basically okay. not only can you really humanize yourself from showcasing your work and showcasing your education and all of your accolades, but we give you the ability to upload a really great video. And you can showcase who you are, not only from a, a technical perspective, right? How your how your cutting style, what your blowout style, what your techniques are. But you can showcase who you are, what your goals are, what your values are from a from a video perspective. So actually, when you go to our platform, you could just hover over our portfolios without even clicking into it and watch videos that people are posting on why they will love the beauty industry and what they hope to accomplish and what their goals are. Okay. Oh, that sounds really interesting. Okay, I can't wait to get back online and check it out. And see yeah, you guys check it out. See what, see what it's like. So, um, and I like that analogy, LinkedIn meets match.com. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's, I, I, often people think like that, don't they, in terms of analogies to go, okay, so what, what space does this occupy? All right. Um, so many things to ask you about. When we last spoke, you are, you're a couple um, and you have children. And you lived in New Jersey and you upped camp and you moved to the other side of the country to California. And yeah. so when we last spoke, you were in California. Now, I found out when I was speaking to Matt the other day that you're no longer in California, that you've moved back to New Jersey. So what was what was that all about? Because I'm really interested in finding out the the challenges and stuff that you've had on this entrepreneurial journey as to what's worked, what hasn't worked, as, as well as what the app does and how people can use it. Or, or not app. It's not an app, is it? It's a website. Correct. What's the, yeah. We cool. are building the app. But yes, it is a website for now. Um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Tell them the story of... Uh, yeah, so when we decided... like we, you know, Before we actually made the move to California from New Jersey, we went through this whole purpose discovery exercise. We really kind of dove into what we were wanted to do that was going to really fulfill us, right? So we went through, we got a life coach, went, went through a lot of different exercises. We went through detoxes for the mindset. We did everything you could do. And we realized that our journey is about empowerment. And if we could build this tool that empowers salon owners and artists all over the world, we'd be truly fulfilled and, and diving full head in, or right into our purpose, right? So when we realized that purpose discovery, we Quit every, we, quit, we quit our jobs, we left our house, we got to give up our cars because we wanted to be 100% committed to bringing this platform to the market. And in order to do that, we had to really just get rid of as many bills as possible. So Jen's mother lives in California. So within a four-week period, we took the kids and we drove to California and we started our life there to really self-fund the business. 
um, thinking I thought we were going to be there for forever, to be honest. I knew it was something we had to do for the business financially. Um, but I just thought we were going to be there forever. I, you know, I thought it was going to be a great place to raise the kids. And we quickly realized that that wasn't the case. We, not that it's not beautiful and California is not amazing, but I think being East Coasters and having so much support back on the East Coast with family and friends. And I think the first thing we realized when you're building this business, and there's so much that goes into it from a mindset perspective, having that additional support it was so vital to our success. So within about six month period, we realized like this, this may not work in California. Um, yeah. So that was a quick, quick eye opening experience for us because we thought it was, we were going to be there forever. Um, but we realized that just having a positive mindset and having that support is just so vital to being successful entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. they say it takes a village, right? To raise your kids. Yeah. Well, if you're an entrepreneur and have kids, it takes more than a village, you yeah. know, and, and that, you know, my mom was on the West Coast, but the rest of our family was on the East Coast. And it just became really challenging to juggle, you know, everything that we were doing with the business and, um, and the kids and, and everything that went on. And so we realized coming back to the East Coast, and we had Matt's entire Matt's one of four, um, we had his parents, my aunts and every everybody else in my family is on the East Coast. Um, we just recognized that the support uh, was a bigger help for us than the financial, yeah. you know, cutback that we had in California. Well, I gotta tell you, like, one thing, if I, have to, if I can provide a tip for people that are thinking about being entrepreneurs, I think we had to do what we did. Number one, because we basically burned the ships. Ever hear that expression, burning the ships? We yep. basically, we risked it all. We quit our jobs. We rented our house out. We left our cars. Like we risked it all and we had to go out there and we had to make it work. So we were there for almost two years making it work. We worked all day, every day. It was a hundred. We were able to give 110% to the business all day, every day. Mm -hmm. And we made incredible strides. Well, and that's the thing is you get really creative, right? When you feel like this has to work. Yeah. And so you get yeah. really creative, you get really smart, you start to leverage partnerships, you start to really do what it takes. Um, whereas had we side hustled this, had we, you know, I'm not, not that I'm recommending everybody go out there and quit their jobs and start a, you know, a, a business. It's definitely not that easy, but um, had we side hustled it, I don't believe we'd be at the point of where we are now um, because it would have been a nice to have. Like, oh, that would be cool if it worked out, right? Like, we put ourselves in a position where this had to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, uh, and either way, right? Everything is a learning experience and we've learned a lot along the way. We've had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. But, um, you know, I think number one for anybody as an entrepreneur is mindset. Like, we realize there's, you can work all day, all night, you can do everything you can do, but if you don't work on your mindset, um, it's really difficult to stay in this play in this game. Right, and that's um, why we and I, and I think that's why the, the purpose exercise that we did was so important too, because you know we really sat down together. Number one, we we aligned with everything that we wanted to do, which is a huge, huge. Uh, it, it's a it's a major step, right? Because we're not aligned, and we're making such big risks, we're taking such big risk and putting so much on the line. It's going to be difficult. So we made sure we were aligned in our goals. We set three main goals and we knew that this platform could achieve those goals. Getting this platform up and being successful with this platform was going to allow us to be really happy. It was going to allow us to spend more time with our family. And it was going to allow us to really help people in this industry. And that's what we wanted. And yeah. so when we knew we were driving towards that purpose, we became unstoppable. Like when we know like what you're doing is truly setting your soul on fire. You can do anything. You can take big risks. You can not be as scared to do certain things. And we knew that this was going to allow us to achieve all the things we wanted to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. I think we really live by the mantra of the fear of regret is bigger than the fear of failure. 
Um, and it just kept us driving right down yeah. that path. That's a good one. Okay. So um, I was listening to you and I'm sort of wondering about how, I mean, you know, the East Coast and the West the West Coast are very different places. You know, you're now back in Jersey, you were in California. Um, I mean, it's not just the diff they're not just different climates and yeah, different attitudes, you know, without a doubt. Um uh, but I'm sort of thinking about different business models for the hairdressing industry in that the West Coast is a lot more, you know, uh, booth rental, uh, salon suite, independent contractor, whereas the East Coast, there is still a lot more, you know, commission-based salons, et cetera, although that is gradually changing. So I was wondering yep. if that impacted on it at all. You know, is is uh, Canvas Me, is it, is it just as applicable in one area as another, or is it more tailored towards the, the salon business model that's on the East Coast? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. We actually, it's funny you say that too, because coming before moving to California, we didn't have that much experience one on one, one on one with salon suites, right? Because, like you said, primarily it was it was more about the commission based salon. We actually learned a lot being in California, working with some really great people, learning about more of the model when it comes to suites and booth rentals. So we that actually was a big help for us. Um, and the and the the platform is applicable to both sides. It allows anybody, whether you're renting suites or looking for chair rentals. Um, or commission-based salons, it allows you to find the right talent, bringing in the right people that fit your culture. Because I think even more so for the suites, you know, it's all about bringing in the right people. I know, I know, when you own a suite, it's, you're getting rent from people. I get that, but you don't want to have high turnover at suites either, right? You don't want to be losing revenue because you're not bringing in the right people that can keep a clientele that have a steady book. So again, it's allowing you to really find the right cultural fit. But then you can even search by KPIs in our platform. So if you are a suite owner, you're probably going to be looking at average ticket and client retention numbers. And you can search by those numbers on our platform. Yeah. And I think also even just for the suite artist, right? Like that artist that is all about the gig, right? Work, the gig economy. Um, I think uh, they benefit from having a portfolio on our platform because it's not just about full-time opportunities. Um, they can... And we've seen a ton of suite owners and uh, you know booth renters create portfolios on Canvas Me because they want to leverage those portfolios to maybe land an educator opportunity, right? We have some big brands that are looking for educators. And so maybe they want to be an educator. Maybe they want to be a mentor. Maybe they want to apply for a photo shoot opportunity, right? It's about all career enhancing opportunities. And that suite owner is really looking to enhance and to collaborate, right? Because they're on their own for the most part. And so those collaboration opportunities that exist on our platform really lend themselves um, for a really awesome space for that suite owner or booth renter to come on, discover them, collaborate with other people and do some really awesome stuff together. I, actually, I was going to say, because our platform's digital, you could be seen on a national level, worldwide level, right? We actually worked... After we spoke last year, we actually worked with both Mazani and the Pulp Riot brands, and we help them find and hire over 60 national educators all over the country and that less than 60 wow. days. Yep. And these were salon owners that yep. were now yep. aspiring to be educators, or right? So it's not like, yep. yeah, so it's not like, oh, I'm a salon owner and I've reached my peak, right? Like you're always growing. What is that next step? What is that next? I mean, we have a ton of people that are owners for years, 15, 16 years in, and they're like, what's next for me? Well, can I be a mentor, right? So they can offer their mentorship on our platform. Um, they can apply for those educator opportunities. Yep. They can apply for backstage, you know, photo shoot opportunities. So it's about all career enhancing, not just that, you know, okay, I landed my full-time opportunity and now I'm done. Yeah. I would say 80% of the people that applied for those educator opportunities were either a salon owner or a suite. Suite renter. Suite renter yeah. Right. Okay. So 
in terms of the uptake, when we last spoke, you were, you know, really early days, just getting this off the ground. Um, how many people now have a, a Canvas Me website or, or not a Canvas Me website? A, 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 a Yeah, they have their own portfolio on Canvas Me. So how many are there? Yeah, we have thousands all over the country. Actually, we have multiple companies. We have Canada now. We have US. We have people. There's even some, I think, from Australia, South Africa. So, and we don't even know how it's <laughs> we're reaching there. We're not marketing yeah. those areas yet. Um, but yeah, it's it's expanded. We've we've 10x, I think, since the last time we've talked. Okay. So, as a as a salon owner, what you mentioned a minute ago, you, you, one of you said that you know you can still search by KPIs. So, it still is a recruitment tool if you want it to be. So, yeah. if I'm in New Jersey, I can go on CanvasMe dot com and I can search for hairdressers in that location and there will be some sort of uh, a fields that I can filter down and say I want to know what their KPIs are for color or the KPIs for you know retail or or, or whatever. So that's all yeah. still possible to do all that in there. Yeah right. we actually we actually introduced new search filters right because we want to make it really specific to their business needs. So you can search by years of experience, location, graduation date, preferred brands specialties, awards, yeah. achievements, like anything on their portfolio is searchable, which is amazing. So if you if you love certain color brands or if you love certain back bar brands, you can search by those. If you are great at social media, you can put that on your platform. And salons can say, show me all their people in my area that are great at social media. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, you could be really specific to what you're looking for. Okay. Um, I wrote a question down that might be now re- redundant. Uh, because we may have already sort of covered it. And it, it was what's worked and what hasn't worked. So in other words, you know, when you start off a new project, you know, you often, you know, no matter how much research you do, et cetera, you think, okay, this is what the market needs. But then when you get it out there, you find that what you thought they needed and what they actually need can be different things. But that's good because at least you're receptive to, to changing and evolving. So, so, so how would you answer that question? What's worked and what hasn't worked you know, um, in, in the terms of the original concept to how it's evolved to the point that it's now at? Yeah, no, I think this will be good because I'm sure you'll have a different answer. Uh, but for me, I think the simplification of the platform was really big for us over the last 12 months. I think what we realized, you always think you need so many different things and all these bells and whistles. But I think sometimes it's when it comes to technology in the beauty industry, less is more. Or in any industry, really. Right? But yeah. So I think what we were able to do was really kind of hone in on what people were really gravitating to and what was really important to them. What was highlighting it? How was the ease of use and the user flows and the experience going through the, the platform and building out their portfolio? So for us, it was about making things a little bit more simple to do. Um, so that was a big eye-opening experience because, again, you, you think you want to include all these things, um, but you don't necessarily have to, especially in the beginning. And I think it's all about the phase mm-hmm. approach. Yeah, for me, that was the, the big eye-opener. What about you? Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. I think for me, I you know, I think such big picture that sometimes it's hard to scale back. And so I wanted mm-hmm. all of these like, well, and then they can do this and I want them to be able to do that, right? But the market can only handle, you know, bite size you know, feature sets at one time, right? And so just really getting the industry used to the fact that there is a home where you can come to to create portfolios. And so I, even early on last year, there was a ton of people that were like, well, what, I just don't understand. Like, I'm going to create this portfolio. How do I use it? 
Why do I use it? What's going to go on here? Mm. Right. So it was really just kind of conveying to the industry and to the, to the space because it was so disruptive. Um, hey guys, don't write a Word doc resume anymore. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, you can come on here because words don't really serve your purpose. They don't serve your creative outlet. Right. And you can't really showcase yourself from that perspective. And so, um, you know, it's, once you actually show them how it's used, then they're mm. like, Oh my gosh, this is so okay. Amazing. So, so imagine I'm a young hairdresser and you're talking to me about, you know, Anthony, this is what you should have a canvas me uh, a portfolio on the, you know, the website. And I say to you, I'm, asked, I'm looking for what are the resistance points? And I say to you, well, why do I need that? I'm really big on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Like that's my portfolio because you keep using the word portfolio and I understand that. And I also know that hairdressers talk a lot now about Instagram being their portfolio. So, so how do you address that? Well, for me, it's two major things. Number one, it's not enough, right? If you're really recruiting someone, just looking at their Instagram page is not enough. You want to know employment history. You want to know um, specialties. specialties. You want to know preferred brands. You want to know awards, awards achievements, right? Also like... And that's and KPIs. Uh, yeah. KPIs. KPIs. So that's so, so as much as we love Instagram, it's just not enough to recruit somebody. So also, and we're seeing this a lot too. So much about Instagram is taking the right photo, taking the right yeah. image. We're realizing that a lot of artists don't know how to do that. So again, as much as we love Instagram, it may not be the best tool for some artists because not only is it not enough, but if they're not taking the right shots, if they're not showcasing the right techniques, it may not be the, the right representation for them. Well, also, you bring up a great point, right? A lot of people believe that um, somebody that has a ton of likes and a ton of followers, like they're amazing, right? Like you automatically, right? We, we, we prove that through socialization experiments and taking out the likes, right? We only like what other people like. And so those people that have huge followings, yeah, they can feel pretty confident. But what happens to that new artist that's a year or two in? Maybe they haven't established a big following yet, right? So yes, the portfolio goes way beyond Instagram, but also it recognizes that person that's new in their career, but they're pretty amazing. And their portfolio is going to showcase... I mean, we have people that have been in the space for a month and a half and their portfolios look like they've been in the space for 10 years because they're mm. that beautiful. They highlight all of these additional things that Instagram can't capture. Um, but also you're not so stuck on like how many followers do they have, right? Yeah. It's just yeah. about this human, this human connection. I can watch her video or his video. I can look at, yes, I can see her Instagram. Her Instagram will sync to the portfolio, but it goes beyond that. Yeah. And you keep, uh, you make your money by charging a, a membership fee? Is it an ongoing membership fee or a one-off fee? For, it so it's not a, for members, not for portfolios. Yeah. So it's free to create a portfolio, right? For okay. college yeah. students as well as licensed professionals. Um, where we monetize is we charge a monthly subscription for the businesses to post their opportunities as well as host a business portfolio that really talks about what their business is, who they are, what their culture is like. You know, we talk about it a lot with business owners. Everybody or most salons, most barbershops, they have websites that are customer-facing. They're, they're there. They're meant to bring in new clients into their business. Not many people have websites that are focused on bringing in new um, staff, new talent, yeah. new artists. So our platform allows them to create these beautiful business portfolios that will attract talent to their business. Okay. So... So, so, so both people can still use it. The stylist uses it to post their own portfolio uh, as a recruitment tool for themselves, looking for wanting people to come to them. But also, the salon uses it to to post a portfolio of their 
sell on to attract potential employees. So that still exists. Right. 100%. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, people can connect, they could bookmark artists. There's a way that, you know, you should always be recruiting. We talk about it all the time as a salon or a barbershop. You should always be recruiting in that mindset. So you could be bookmarking people. You can have a list of people that want to work for you already because they can apply. And, you know, part of the new update of the platform was these are really incredible dashboards. Um, mm-hmm. So business owners get these dashboards. Um, schools get dashboards as well. But um, we not only showcase these businesses in a way like they've never seen before, or providing them with data that's really important to make better decisions from a hiring perspective. Yeah. Um, h- how has uh, the uptake been? I know uh, America has a slightly different business model in terms of training and that you have the, the beauty school you know, model as opposed to the apprenticeship. But I'm curious about the uptake for the people that have got a portfolio on there. Where have you found they're mostly coming from? Are they are they renters? Are they commission based? Are they youngsters from schools? Are they salon owners? Who, who's engaging the most with the platform? So we're seeing a really diverse group of people. Sixty um, percent of our platform are young people in the industry. They're either in school or they're just about to graduate school because they really they're hungry. They're they're Gen Zers. They love technology. They love the digital aspect of it, and they really need a place to showcase what they're doing so they can find a job. So we're seeing a lot of youngsters that are coming into the industry with their portfolios. But we see business owners, we're seeing independents, depending on the opportunities. But what's cool about the platform is that people just want to go on there to celebrate their work, right? Like you mentioned earlier, like the corporate world has LinkedIn, right? Not everybody on LinkedIn is looking for a job, but they're showcasing where they're working. They're showcasing positions, they're showcasing promotions. And that's what we're doing for this industry. We're giving them a place to celebrate all of their hard work and let people know what they're doing. When they get certified, all that's when they have awards, no one was seeing that before. Mm. And now they can be seen on a digital level. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you, you just mentioned, uh, you know, Gen Z employees. Uh, again, have you had any surprises about, you know, uh, you know who, who's on it in terms of male versus female, um, you know, owners versus employees, you know, different age groups, Gen Z, millennials? Is there, is there any, you know, um, observations that you've got about that that have maybe surprised you, or is it as predictable as what you'd imagine? Because I would imagine it's mainly Gen Z on it, you know, yeah, because no. they're just natives to it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think um, you we're, we're seeing, I think we kind of had a feeling it was going to be that trend with a lot of the Gen Zers and millennials. Um, I am, I mean, I am pleasantly surprised about the level of owners that are really interested in the platform as well, because that's just growing every single day from an owner perspective. But yeah, I think, you know, from the Gen Z perspective, we, we're seeing this trend. And what for me, what really kind of stood out was we get emails from our members every single day. We get DMs on Instagram every single day. And the level of professionalism they feel from these portfolios is blowing me away. They really feel like this is something they deserve and it's something that really makes them proud. Like we're seeing for the first time, we're seeing so many people apply to more opportunities on our platform because they feel professional and they feel like really proud to actually showcase their work and, and apply for opportunities, right? So the level of professionalism that they're feeling when they create their portfolio on that the platform is just for them has really kind of stood out to me. Mm-hmm. I never thought we were going to get that deep. Um, and we're seeing the feedback where it's just like instantly changing their complete outlook when it comes to applying for opportunities and their career in this amazing industry. Cool. Good. Okay. And, and um, I know one thing we spoke about when we last talked was that this sort of seemed like you know, the LinkedIn of hairdressing just seemed like, oh my God, why hasn't anyone done that before? Because every salon owner I talk to about recruitment, 
wants to know where's the best place to advertise for staff, et cetera, you know. Um, so I just want to ask you about how much has the recruitment space changed? How much competition has arrived on the scene in the last 18 months uh, or, or hasn't it really changed at all? You know, it hasn't really changed. Um, there's a couple of companies that have been around, but I just feel like Jen and I have a very unique perspective when it comes to this platform because of our background, working at Millennium Software for so long and really understanding the technology industry within beauty has really given us an advantage. Plus, we've been marketing in this space for a really long time. So we truly understand what business owners are looking for when they're looking for their next hire. Um, we also really understand artists. We understand how to connect with them. We understand what drives them. And I think that's given us a really big advantage over some of the other competition. Yeah, I think um, a lot of people are still fighting for that job board of words in this creative industry. Um, and job boards have been around for decades. And we've still remained with this recruitment issue for decades. And so I think uh, where Matt and I come into play is we recognize the root of the cause. The root of the cause and the reason why these job boards don't work is that we are a creative industry, yes, and we need to showcase our talents visually. And so we need a portfolio or some place to host all of that imagery to really apply for these opportunities and feel really good about it. But secondarily, I think we forget that recruitment is like a word that people just throw around as recruitment. These are human connections. These are hiring somebody to join your work family, right? And you need to hire that right cultural fit. And so hiring that right cultural fit doesn't lend itself to using words, right? Because I'm not really showcasing the values of my organization. I'm not showcasing the culture, the attitudes, the beliefs of the staff and what a day in the life looks like. I can't do that on a job board. I can, however, do that through video. I can do that through creating videos of my staff and the day in the life and highlighting all of these amazing things that attracts that right uh, you know, cultural fit, that right match um, mm -hmm. and really be employed. So I think that's really where Matt and I are solving you know, some people say it's what, are they, what is that saying? They solve the symptom, the symptom not the cause. Um, and so I think that's where Matt and I really have our finger on the pulse of like solving the human connection. And that's really what we built this platform to be. So while it can recruit, it's just creating human connections. And we're starting to see that um, it's a it's a it's a human place of human connection for the beauty space, but within the beauty space, we're seeing these like micro communities of I'm in the beauty space and I'm an army veteran. I'm in the beauty space and I'm married to a you know, and so it's just all of these micro communities that give people a sense of belonging. Because when mm -hmm. you have that sense of belonging and you can find that right cultural fit, that's where the magic happens. Mm -hmm. That's sure. where we can solve the recruitment of the future. Yeah, um, has has COVID impacted on what you're doing i mean you know here we are you know towards the, the end of 2020 um it's been a fun year uh, <laughs> for everybody i mean uh, what impacts it had on your business in covid in general you know and recruitment yeah. in general yeah no i think for us um it definitely impacted us i think from the salon side you know we thought we were going to be you know, from a revenue perspective, we were going to be growing quicker this year because we we're going to be having more and more salons posting opportunities and paying for subscriptions. But obviously, with COVID, we took a complete step back. We wanted to be really sensitive um, to the industry and what everybody was going through. I think it was a really tough, tough time for everybody. So we kind of put a pause on like really reaching out to salons and marketing to salons because we wanted really to make sure that 
their interests and they were focusing on what they need to focus on at that time. So we kind of took a step back and we really focused in on building the member base, which we did. So from a member base perspective, we continue to grow um, tremendously. Month, tremendously month over month. Uh, we grow every single day. Um, well, I think also COVID accelerated the member growth so much because people started to recognize I can't physically get in front of this hiring manager. I can't physically yeah. get in front of this person. So I can send in my portfolio, right? And I can get in front of them without physically getting in front of them. So that really increased, but the, you know, from the salon perspective side of things, we did, we took a step back and kind of held off. But we're seeing that kind of change. We're seeing the turn. We're seeing the turn. I know we're going through a lot with California right now, which we feel, te- feel terrible about. Um, but on the other, on the East Coast, we're starting to see that shift where salons are looking for staff. They're looking to kind of really highlight their business in a new way. Um, and honestly, when we showed this platform to, to salon owners, they're like, "Why was where was this 10 years ago? I wish I had this 10 years ago. Um, yeah. they're, they're, blown, they're blown away, not only because they get to humanize their business, but their lives are, are, are so much easier now in the recruitment because they're getting these amazing portfolios where they're really yeah. being able to get talent at a, a rate they've never been able to do before. Good. Okay. Um, I'm so glad to hear it's going well, you know, that uh, since I spoke to you right at the beginning to where you are now, that, that you've, um, you know, that you've turned it into what it's turned into because as, you know, someone was telling me recently that the failure rate in the, in the uh, tech industry is something like 94% or something, you know, it's yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you came up with a great idea. And uh, but lots of people come up with ideas. Yeah. You know, you meet people all day long who, oh, have I got an idea for you? Um, and so where I'm leading to with this is this, is that you came up with a great idea and you have turned that idea or are turning it into reality. I know you're not done with it yet, but there's definitely a story along the way. There's low points as you know, there, there always is, isn't there? So, so what would you, you know, what can you share with budding entrepreneurs listening to this who Boy, have I got an idea. I have no idea how they're going to turn it into reality. Most of them think they're going to come up with something and they're going to be a millionaire tomorrow. Yeah. You know, but you and I know that it's not like that. So, so, uh, have, so, so what can you share about the challenges that you've had along the way and what it's taken to surmount them and move through them and what advice you'd give to, to other people that have got ideas and, and, uh, you know, um, and, and you're going to give them that little bit of a pep talk to, um, you know, to get them through whatever obstacles life's going to put in front of them, because by God, there's going to be obstacles. So how did you handle them? Yes. Um, and we had so many days where, listen, we, we cry, right? You cry because it's, you put so much pressure on yourself. If I have to kind of take a step back and really give my perspective, for me, it's all about the mindset. There's so many people that have so many great ideas but don't ever become entrepreneurs because the hardest part, it's not the idea. It's not even building the business. The hardest part is getting up every single day with a positive mindset. Right? No matter because what happens. No matter what happens. Because there's days where like, it's amazing. We're getting all these members and so many people are calling us and they love it. And there's days where like, is this even, is this going to work? Right? Is this like you completely question yourself all the single time. You're your own biggest critic. And I think, if you can't figure out how to get up every single day with a positive mindset, it's going to be really, just really, really difficult to be a successful entrepreneur in any industry, whether it's technology or not. Um, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people come from this angle. Like what you said is they think like, oh, a million in a year. I'm going to make a million in a year. It's such a great idea. It's such a big need. Everyone's going to jump on board. And the truth of the matter is you overestimate what you can do in one year, but you underestimate what you can do in five. And so if you can really just kind of sit in that 
and that mindset and know um, one of one of the examples I always use is I was reading a book and there was an example of this man. I maybe think it was thinking grow rich, right? So I'm constantly reading. I'm constantly nourishing my brain because there are those moments where you're just like, what do I do? Yeah. What's happening? Um, and so for me, I, I instantly turned to some kind of mindset coaching. And so uh, I was reading this book where this guy owned a minery. Uh, he was mining for gold. And I guess it was like years went by and he didn't find any gold. And so eventually he just gave up. And he was like, you know what? I'm done. I, I've had it and sold it for not a lot of money to somebody that came along. And that person that came along dug for two feet and hit gold. And so sometimes I wonder, uh, I, sometimes I wonder, are we two feet from gold? You know, is this two feet from gold? I can't stop two feet from gold when you can shift your mindset and just tell yourself, you know what? I didn't get this far to get this far. Um, and you can really just kind of get through those difficult days and tomorrow's going to be a new different day with a different mindset. And I think a lot of the things I also do, right, is yes, this is deeply tied to our purpose. But even when it's deeply tied to your purpose, some days you wake up and you're like, man, yep. I gave it all up. I'm doing this. It's my purpose. But why isn't this easier than I thought? Um, what I usually shift to is the service part. Well, if I give this up, how many people will I be letting down? How many members will be so upset because they were so excited that we've created this, right? So when you can turn it to somebody else, right? You're doing this for somebody else. You're doing this for something else. It gets you through those those muddy days of like, you know, uh, this really stinks. And then, you know, also just really thinking about other people's journeys. Like you see all these amazing, you know, successful people. They've had tough starts too. And what does their story look like? You know, Michael Jordan got cut from his basketball team, right? And without this story, without this journey, you're unrelatable, right? And so I know it's... I gave you a lot of things there, but that's really... I choose one of those things to get me through well, those really tough days. And again, it's all about the mindset. Like, you know, when we're having a rough day, you know, we talk about the universe is only going to give us what we can handle, right? We can handle this. We can figure this out. Um, and that's why the mindset is the most important thing throughout the entire journey. Because you're constantly going to question yourself. You're constantly... You're going to have bad days. But if you can figure out and you can have techniques to get you through those days and still have a positive mindset so you continue to get towards your goal, that's what's really, really important. Yeah. What about from the angle of you are a husband and wife and you're working together? And Mm -hmm. I also work with my wife and it's a... It's great. It's a joy. <laughs> I, had yeah. to, I pause there. She'll go, why did you pause? <laughs> uh, uh, it's a joy. And we complement each other very well, the yin and the yang. But I'm not going to pretend it's all smooth sailing, especially this year with COVID. We're locked down. We're living together. We're working together 24-7. How do you get that balance? Because a lot of people I talk to go, I cannot believe that the two of you work together yes. and live together, including yep. my kids. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so how do you traverse that? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's all a learning experience. You know, we, fortunately, we worked together for a while at Millennium. And so we had some experience there working together. And I think it's really just understanding our strengths and our weaknesses. I think I know what she's really good at and she knows what I'm really good at. Um, trust me, there are days where we, we, we argue, we don't agree on certain things, but um, we never go to bed angry, right? Yeah. That's a rule for us. No matter yeah. what they bring, we never go to bed angry. I think, um, you know, I, and again, that, um, the level of emotional intelligence that we've learned over the last couple of years too, it's something that we really dove into is emotional intelligence and mindset. Mm. So we understand like when Jen's getting frustrated or if I'm getting frustrated, we realize it's not us. We're feeling whether I'm feeling inadequate or I'm feeling stressed out. So I think the level of emotional intelligence is really, really important 
when you're working closely, whether it's family or whether it's colleagues, you need to be able to stand certain triggers, why you're feeling certain ways, why they're feeling certain ways. Um, because without emotional intelligence, it's really difficult to have successful business sure. and personal relationships. Yeah. And I think just to simplify it even further, it's about being vulnerable with each other, right? Mm. So we've learned too, through this experience, like when somebody gets annoyed or if I get frustrated and I'm annoyed, right. And we have a bad day and I'm just like, leave me alone. Right. Um, mm. I start, I, I can actually come back later and say, you know what, that was me feeling inadequate. That was me feeling like I wasn't good enough. And that was me feeling like I was failing and falling flat on this piece of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. And so just really being vulnerable, I think, because my old version self would never be able to be that vulnerable. I would just yeah. stay mad and put that wall up and be like, don't come talk to me. So I think it's really about bringing down those walls and being vulnerable. And I think with any relationship, right? So yes, it's really important with the husband wife relationship. And now that we're working together, but any, even if he was my colleague, right? Like bringing down those walls, that level of vulnerability, that level of we're in this together mm-hmm. um, and just constantly like going at, at it from that mindset. Um, you know, there's not much that really kind of frazzles us like over, you know, we get into that moment and then it's like that moment's over and what's the next thing that we have to tackle together. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really the magic of it is just that mindset and being vulnerable. Yeah. But, but you have clearly defined roles. Yes. yes. Right. And yes. they don't sort of cross over, so to speak. You know, no. I really know. Yeah. We have we have defined roles. We 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 pretty much know who handles what. Um, and when you're an entrepreneur, that's really, really important too, because we're both handling so many different things. We'll be sure. you know, customer support, we'll be QAing, we'll be onboarding with live webinars. So again, you have to really be focused mm-hmm. on goal for that day, who's handling what. But, divide and conquer. Yeah, but I think we just, you know, we worked, we worked for a long time together really well and we just kind of become kind of second nature for us, which is really, we're really fortunate that we, we could do that. Because again, when, when you're entrepreneurs and you're a young startup, um, all of that is critical. Good. All, yeah. Cool. Okay. All right. Well, listen, we, we have to wrap up there. Uh, there is one thing I'm dying to ask you though. Do, do you handle the tech side yourself or like the writing of the code or do you no. outsource that? We have a team that does that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, we have a whole team. We we were extremely heavily involved in the user flows. We were heavily involved in like the wireframe, the user experience. Pass it off to the team. We would do all that, making sure because we that's 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 our our lives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they would they would code it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Jen actually designed Jen designed a lot of the some of it. Not the new version. The new version was completely, yeah. but yeah. Right. Well, I, I can't wait to get on and have a, have a little dig around in the new version. Yeah, so look, we're going to have to uh, wrap up there, um, but that was all very interesting. And it's great to, you know, hear the, the journey that you've been on. I think a lot of people, regardless of what industry they're in, it's a lot of the information that you share about the, you know, the process of how you've gone from where you were to where you are is interesting to everybody. So um, I want to want to thank you for sharing that. Um, if you are listening to this and you've enjoyed it, then please take a screenshot and uh, share it to your Instagram stories and uh, and let us know what you thought of it because I think it was fantastic. So, uh, Jen and Matt Martinelli, thank you ever so much for joining us on the Grow My Salon Business podcast. Uh, have you got any final words for our audience? My my mantra is something I share with. I talk to myself every single day is everything you've ever wanted is on the other side of fear. So yeah. When I'm nervous at some point, which I am every day, <laughs> I get nervous. I get scared. We do, we do onboardings and live webinars. I always talk to myself like I would the four-year-old version of, of myself. And I say, everything you always, always ever wanted was on the other side of fear. And I get over it. So that's a big, big mantra for me. Yeah. Cool. Good. Love Final words, Jen. 
Um, I mean, for me, the fear of regret is bigger than the fear of failure. I always okay. felt like I wasn't worthy enough yeah. uh, to do certain things until I had that mantra really kind of stitched into my mind. And now I feel like, why not? Right? It's always a learning experience. There's nothing uh, that's going to make you fail if you don't, it, it, as long as you view it as a learning opportunity um, yeah. and a growth opportunity. So uh, for me, that's really uh, what it is. And create these deep human connections, and you will you will soar. So. Always grateful to be with you, Anthony. Super uh, thankful that you had us on for the second time. And it's always a pleasure. That's been great. It's been good to see the involvement of it. So thank you both very much. And uh, we'll look forward to the next time, another couple of years, to see how you've conquered the universe then. So Jenna, Matt, Martin, Ali, thank you very much for being on the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.